You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Love. The Bible, as we look at the New Testament written in Greek, Greek, a very, a very deep language, has a lot of very rich meaning to a lot of words that maybe in the English language don't have such deep, rich meaning. And love is one of those words. We use this word love almost loosely um, in the sense of I can say that I love you. I can say that I, last night we had this amazing pasole. It's this Mexican soup thing that when you're done eating it, you speak Spanish. It's just amazing. <laughs> and I was, I was telling them in the back, man, I love this. I love this. And I, and I was telling people last night that I love the Lord. I told Lori last night, I love you. I have a dog, Koa. I love you, dude. He knows it. <laughs> but in the, in the Greek language, they would use different words in different settings. If you were, you were talking about maybe um, an affection that you felt towards a friend, you would use the word phileo. If you talked about an endearing and a respect maybe that you had towards a grandparent, or even towards maybe a favorite food, let's go there, you would use this word stoge. If you were talking in the romantic sense, which we do use that word, you would use the word eros. But in the Greek... They, they kind of used those words very definitively. There was, a, there was a purpose behind it. You knew exactly what they meant. They spoke with a lot of passion. And when they, they wanted to describe a love that was like unconditional, it was like the love. And it was, it was just so, you knew that it was unconditional. You know that person when they said that, they're the kind of person that would take a, they'd lay down their life for you. They would use the word agape. And it was, a, it was perceived as a selfless love, a self-seeking love, seeking the good, the general well-being of another is really the best interpretation of that. It's not feeling-based, it's action. It speaks of, of something that you do. It's a sacrificial love. It is a love that just acts irregardless of the response. And so as we we look at this word love and we relate it to the Christmas celebration of the incarnation, the love that Christ has or the love that Christ displayed for us or the love of God in giving us his son. In the traditional uh, Advent service, it would be a purple candle, and they also called it the Bethlehem candle, the love candle or the Bethlehem candle, because it was just something on the table that pictured God's love for us. Love is an interesting thing. I was thinking about um, when I first met Lori, and I, I, I fell in love with her. There was so much to love about her, and I, I could tell in my heart, I'm done, you know, and... I met her parents, and I, I remember getting to know them, and I, I really, I knew them, and I understood who they were. I appreciated them. 
I love their daughter, but I really didn't know them a whole lot. And I, I realized that over time, I began to love them. And one of the ways that I, I began to like knew that, know that I love them is I wanted to show them I love them. I just really wanted them to know I love them. And that's what love does. The Bible says that God is love. It's, it's part of his character. There will never be a time or an instance where God is not love. And God who is love, he is the, the source of love. In John 4, 8, it says God is love. In John 4, 7, it says that love is of God. And so if that's who he is, and we're talking about love in the sense of agape, and he would look at his creation, the crowning act of his creation, and he would, who is love, want you to experience that and know that, how would he express that? And so when we look at the different ways that God expresses love, the, the most like, wow, that's at the top of the list, it's John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and I say this a lot around here, and I'm going to keep saying it because it fits the character of God. Everything God does, he does with a purpose in mind. Everything. And so when God gave his son, it was with an amazing, you know, like purpose in mind. And the, the, you just go through John 3.16 and we kind of cut to the chase. But he gave us his son so that we would recognize who he is and put our faith in who we, he would believe in. We would believe in him. And then the love of God that... God who loves us, the source of love, God, that he would, he would radically impact our lives with his love. And the greatest impact that he will ever have on our life will be making us his son or his daughter, saving us, transforming us, forgiving us. And when we... When we look at this in, the, in the, the construct of that word, he, right now, no matter when did God start loving us, when we were at our worst, there's never a time when he didn't love us. There's never a time when he didn't love the whole world. And so when we begin to, to think about the, the love that God, who is love, displayed to us in the manger, I think it's just... Important to understand love as the Bible ascribes love to God. In Psalm 36, verse 7, it says, how, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wing. There was this perception in the psalmist that that God's love was, and I, that word is not a word that men use a lot, but this my dad did a lot, and, and this psalmist did. He, goes, he looked at the love, the loving kindness of God, and he's like, it's a precious thing. And it moves. 
It moves. The love of God is so palpable and tangible and life-impacting that it, it moves a person to trust in him, to, 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 to just trust his protection over their life. In Jude 21, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. 1 John 3, 1, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. I love doing baby dedications here. They're always very, very exciting. You never know what's going to happen. You always have relatives in the, in the service that typically wouldn't come to the service because they think it's this big thing, baptismal thing. It's, it, it's not. I, I love seeing them like come to the reality that we're just a, we're just a family coming together thinking the Lord for this precious gift, this life, and we're having two parents up here say that they're going to raise them in the ways of the Lord, and, and then we like open God's word, and the Holy Spirit just kind of does the work. I, lo- I just love those days. I do. So if you have a baby's, bring them. We'll even dedicate you tonight if we have to. But, but one of the unique times that we do that is when we, we have parents that have adopted their children. And there's just something about looking at that and the the correlation of that to who we are as children of God. And the love that these parents have for that child, they have prayed for that child, they have went through, especially if they're in California and they're at that stage where the final adoption's complete, they have went through a lot and and they, they cherish that life. They've given that, that life their name. They've given that life a future, a home. Everything that they are, all the way down to inheritance one day, is, is imparted to that child because, because they love that child. And it's, it's an honor and it's an awesome thing for us as a church to stand there with them. But behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And then we, we think about God who is eternal. And Jeremiah would say about God who is eternal that he says, yes, you have loved me with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I, I have drawn to you. The greatest expression of love, Jesus said it in John chapter 15, verse 13, Referring to the cross, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Titus chapter 3, it says, But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This love of God. Paul would talk about it from a personal experience standpoint in Romans chapter 8, where he would say, I am persuaded. (laughs) 
I've walked with God, and I've experienced God, and he would say, I am persuaded from, from personal experience that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that a great passage? Paul's like, there, there's just no circumstance powerful enough to separate us from God's love. No thalipsis in the Greek that speaks of like uh, tribulation, this, this being squeezed or placed under pressure by circumstances outside of us. Nor distress. That speaks of like strict confinement where we feel like we're being closed in on every side by a temptation or by just something very difficult in our life. Nor persecution. Nor famine. Nor nakedness. Nor peril. Nor sword. Paul is not speaking about these afflictions in theory or even secondhand. He himself had faced a lot of this. And so from a, a personal experience, he's like, man, even though life really got hard and life got really scary and very uncertain, when, when I, I just didn't know if I would have it tomorrow, and this is a guy who was shipwrecked, not once, not twice, three times, <laughs> incarcerated a bunch of times, beaten with rods, left to die many times. And, and that whole list there in 2 Corinthians 11. But, but what he would say is he would talk about this thing that he experienced is that none of that ever separated me from the love of God. God who is love. He's the one that brought me through that. His love is what, what, what carries me. You know, I have a very unique relationship with my mom. I have a very unique relationship with my daughters. I love my mother. They, my mother loves me. My daughters love me, vice versa. And then I have this, this other person in my life for 34 years named Lori right here. And... At different times, I can tell you my, my mother's love. Man, that, that woman, had, she's carried me. There are times when just as, as girls, not in their junior high age, but when they were, when they were younger and, and past that, just joking again, but the love of a child for a father, just that love, it carries you. Then the love that you have, this relationship that you have you're one with someone, and how that, that love holds you through, through every, every challenge for 34 years, the love of my God and the love of my wife and the love of the body of Christ, the love of God through all of these people, and just me and God has held me, and I know you can say the same if you have that experience of walking with God, amen? The love of God. But he goes on and he's like, through peril, through, through sword or whatever, he's like, because of the love of God, we are more 
than, than conquers. No, death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, none of that is going to separate us from the, the love uh, of God. He's describing all of the, the like different strata and rankings of, of you know, spiritual hosts and demonic hosts. Something that Jesus in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 says, he disarmed all of those principalities and powers and he made a public spectacle out of them and triumphing over them. And it, the whole idea is that this, this God of love sends his son to a cross who dies on that cross because he loves us. And the benefits of that love, the impact uh, upon our life as it relates to his love, is like he dismantled all of the power of Satan and all of the demonic Host. It even says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, that, that G, John had said that it is the purpose of the Son of God that he might destroy the works of the devil. And sometimes we don't put that in the context of, of God loving us. But on that cross, that's what he did. And on that cross, he was displaying just that, our, his, his love for us. How many of you are glad that as 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. Amen? Nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So I was reading some comments on this today, and one of the commentaries, I just like to read this. It's kind of a summary Death will not pull me away from God's love. Neither will life and its allurements, nor cosmic or spiritual powers, benevolent or malevolent, nor anything in time, nor power, nor height of heaven, or the depth of hell, nor anything else. No disappointment, no disease, no broken romance, no financial crisis, no insanity. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. John 15, verse 9, Jesus said, Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. And then he says, abide in my love. Abide in my love. We become recipients of God's love as far as relationally we begin to experience that when we are born again. In Romans 5, verse 5, it says, The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Paul would say in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive. God demonstrated his own love towards us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Paul would say. That's just, it's humbling. Paul would grow to this understanding. And in Galatians 2.20, he would say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but, 
the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. He based his life, the life that he now lived as a Christian, on the love of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I think about the Father's love for us. I think about the the father's love for a child. I, I think about my own, my own children when they were, were uh, growing up and they were at the age of, of walking and Lori and I would take them places and, and, and I was thinking so much of keeping them safe and keeping them warm and, you know, what are we going to eat today? Providing for them. Every, every part about their life as they were younger, I thought about and anything they needed, any. Whatever it was, to me, whatever sacrifice was involved, it was, there was a joy behind that. It was, it, there was no complaining about that. There was no resenting that because there was the driving force of love that Lori and I both had for, for our girls. And as they got older and they fell in love with men, I'm like, I'm off the hook now. There we go. They're married now. But... It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be loved, isn't it? For you that, seriously, I want you to really think through this. It's a crazy privilege to be loved. You you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the nurturing love of a parent or whoever raised you. The nurturing love of teachers that educated you. In the body of Christ, our spiritual development is God has given to us in Ephesians 4, all of these gifted people to love on us and to, we, we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for the investment of God's love through people. And if you, you talk to any of those people, the, a parent, a grandparent, a, a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, and, and you, you talk to them about what, what, what they did as far as investing in your life or the life of, of others, they would tell you if it really was love that it was the greatest privilege of their life. There's nothing of greater honor than for me to to love Lori, for me to to love my girls and my son-in-laws and my grandson and my future granddaughter that's coming along. And there's this is the an amazing honor, and this is how God looks at it. He looks at all of us, and he's like. I, I love you. It's not, just, it's not just a feeling. I got this big old warm, fuzzy feeling for the world. It's an action. I am sending my son to die on a cross for you. And we show our love for God in, in many unique ways, but one we just maybe want to put down is through our obedience. John 14, 21, Jesus speaking here, he who has my commandments and keeps them It is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And part of that is not just loving God, but it's obeying him. And part of that whole obedience is to to love one another. Jesus would say in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you... You love one another, even as I have loved you, 
that you also love one another. And he's like, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I had a, uh, a couple of people come up to me um, yesterday after our service. We were in here eating, and, and um, they wanted to talk about what was happening to them. Something was going on. They walked into this room. They weren't, they weren't believers. They weren't Christians. They don't go to our church. They'll go to church. About three or four of these conversations. But they just wanted me to know in their terms that they've never felt what they feel on this property. One of them was like, I, I just feel so much love here. I don't know them. I, I, I can't remember anything other than maybe standing up in front of them and sharing the gospel and the hope of heaven. But that love that, that we experience from God, that love that is shed abroad in our hearts, I would say that we don't want to just do ministry. We want to be effective in our ministry. And effective ministry is this. It's an overflow of God and what he's doing in our lives. That's what effective ministry is. If any life is altered here tonight, in whatever degree, it's going to be this God who loves us, touching us. It's going to be God working by his spirit through his, his word and in, in, in a, a very real way. And that's one of the most loving things God can do is, is touch us and alter us and affirm who he is to us over and over and over again. Every time he forgives us, he's loving on us. Every time he graces us, he's loving us. And we are now partakers of divine nature. That's who he is in us. And so when someone comes and, and they might even think it's a little bit over the top, well, this is a very hospitable place or a very loving place or whatever, that's just who, we say it this way around here, that's just who we is. Yeah. This is going to be a long night if you guys don't start agreeing with like two things, you know. But it's who we are, Amen. There's, there's a phrase we've been saying around here when God starts stacking up things in the person's life and they just, they just can't put words to it. I have a phrase. It's just right. It's just right. And, and when, when God's love just starts stacking up in our life, it's just right. And now there's this overflow of that love that we are dispensers of what he is investing in, in our lives. We, we become recipients of grace, then we become dispensers of grace. We become recipients of God's love, and we become then dispensers of God's love. Last scripture, I think it fits, 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
And this love of God was manifest towards us. And this brings it right back to, to, to Christmas. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be that propitiation for our sin. It's, it's a word that means appeasement. Like God looks at us and he sees in our fallen, depraved, natural state that which separates us from him. From a heavenly standpoint, that's how he looks at us when we're born into this world and he looks at us, that sinful nature, and we're separate, separate from God. And God, God is allowed to and does have what we would say justifiable rage and anger. And I would say it this way. He's really upset at that which separates him, this holy, righteous, loving God, from you and I, his crowning act of creation. And that anger of God is real. Anything that would separate me from Lori, I should just hate that and be upset with that. Anything that would separate me from you, the same thing. God looks at just the effects of sin, the penalty of sin, with a righteous anger. And that anger has to be appeased. And the way that he appeased his anger was to send his son to deal with that which separates him as a loving God from his creation, you and I. And that's what Christmas is all about, the love of God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also want to love one another. That's a really good Advent scripture to have at your home next year. Amen? And I kind of walk through that. Well, let's pray, and then we're going to let you guys talk for a minute. Lord, thank you again for... Um, you know, loving us and for displaying your love and as we've raced through some scriptures that just define uh, you and, and, and your character as it relates to love, um, we just thank you. We want to pause and just thank you for loving us to the degree that you do. Thank you that there is nothing that will ever separate us from your love. Thank you for loving us at our worst. Thank you for loving us when we, we fail, when we grow distant from you. Thank you for just never giving up on us and just loving us. And thank you for sending uh, your son. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so that you came. And as we move into these final days now of... Uh, recognizing and celebrating your birth, we pray that um, all that we've learned over these Wednesday nights would, would feed into um, what we wake up to um, Christmas morning. And even our celebration um, here, Christmas Eve, we, we just pray that it would feed into that as well and it would be just richer and deeper in meaning um, because we've just given some time to consider you, God, and, and the joy that you bring us, the peace that you bring us, and the love that you have for us. Um, we love you, and we pray that uh, you'd bless the rest of our night as we, we celebrate you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name.